I think we just fed the beast. Amen. All right, one more family business item to take care of. And then we'll be all... Hey, I listened to my, our services back home. And <laughs> um, first off, your family did amazing on that special. I knew you could play the piano, but I didn't know you could play that well. Could have fast forwarded that part. Good. And just all your whole family sounded great. And then also the messages that you preached were phenomenal. Very, very good. Amazing man, right? So that was very good. Um, can't wait to listen to tonight's service after my service. Um, I wanted to tell you, though, I think I'm the favorite Sharpetta, though. I heard you say uh, you were the favorite Sharpetta. You know, I think I'm the favorite Sharpetta, maybe in the church, in that church. I don't know. But uh, just saying, if you took a vote tonight, I think I might win the vote. Just saying. But no. Uh, but anyway, I hope you guys are having a good time uh, with uh, my dad and my mom. And uh, have a good time. See ya. Now you know that is? Jackson. Jackson. Okay. Hi, Jackson. We're in church. I hope you're doing well there in Bible College. Here's everybody in church. Good crowd tonight. And we're going to go ahead and take it to a vote who the favorite Sharpetta is. And uh, so all hands, if now it's between me and Jackson, right? That's what it is. So we're just going to have a, no amens or nothing. We're just going to have a raising of hands. Uh, for Jackson first, if Jackson's your favorite, let's see your hands. Okay, all right. Now if I'm your first, raise your hand. Hands up everywhere. You would be surprised how many, just twice as many as are raised for you, Jackson. Just hands up everywhere. And so you'll have to watch the service to, to see all the hands that went up all over the auditorium. Love you, buddy. We'll talk to you later. Thank you for that. Appreciate it. Nothing like nephews, having fun with them. And uh, so we're, we're glad to be back with you. We, are, we had a wonderful afternoon, had a good lunch uh, there with Pastor uh, Rice, and then went home to our prophet's chamber to take a nap. And as we pulled in, it was just the most Norman Rockwell Sunday afternoon I've ever seen. You know who Norman Rockwell is, right? That's my, fa my, my wife's favorite, and I like him too, but it's my wife's favorite artist. She collects all his stuff, you know, and we have boxes and boxes of Norman Rockwell stuff we'll never set out, but she loves it so much. And uh, just people were walking down the streets with their dogs, you know, the lady scarves blowing in the wind and, and just very picturesque. We pull into the house, and there's a park across the street, and there's these kids playing on the swing. We, on the swings, do kids play on swings anymore? They were. They were playing on the swings, and they were, we, you know, and they were having fun. There were, there were no phones, no phones, no loud music, just giggling and laughing as people are pushing their babies down the street and all this. And I'm like, oh, this is just great. I, I felt like walking around, but then at the same time, I'm like, well, I probably should lay down. And so we go into the uh, room where we're staying, and we lay down, and we heard honking. I'm like, what is that? A few minutes later, we hear honking again. And it's right outside. We're on, we're on the main street there. Just people keep honking, going by. I'm like, what is going on? And I go to the window, 
And those kids are swinging and they're doing this to the cars and this to the cars. They got every single car that passed to honk their horn while we're trying to take a nap. And Norman Rockwell, ugh, man, I wasn't feeling it at that time, right? So those stinking rotten kids. Uh, but praise the Lord, I'm trying to get into my message here. Um, let me do this real quick. We have a little bit of time. Uh, you've been back to the table. You've heard our presentation. Of course, you know our prayer request. Uh, our prayer request was on our heart. But perhaps you're new to the church here. There's something that I did not uh, explain about Viecus, about the dynamic of Viecus, about the infrastructure, about the languages, any of these things that you might be wondering about, you might be curious about. And uh, it'll, it'll allow me to leave church early if I answer those questions right now, right? And, so, and you might not have any questions, but does anybody have a curiosity or a question concerning that? And while we're doing that, turn over to Acts chapter 16. Does anybody at all? Oh, that means I did a good job. That's all right. It's so good to be with you again. It's good to see Pastor Jacobs again. Um, do, they, do they call you Pastor Emeritus around here or just the old, the old guy? What do they call you around here? Pastor, pa pastor Emeritus, one of those fancy titles. My pastor is now a Pastor Emeritus. I, I, th I think it's great. He, was, he, he did a lot for me and, and our church, and it's good to give honor to whom honor is due. Amen. And uh, I love your Pastor Jacobs and also Pastor Rice. Uh, I met Brother Rice when I was very, very young. He was on the mission field, or before he went to the mission field, I remember him uh, there at Maslin. And uh, then, of course, just connected to the family through Jeremy. Always been nice to come back here to this uh, good church. You're a fine church. And I really appreciate the liberty that I felt this morning uh, as I was preaching. I really do appreciate that. Before the service tonight, I was very encouraged. It was an encouraging time. I had two people come up to me and testify of the opportunity that they had to give the gospel today. Isn't that fantastic? How'd we do? How we all doing? They just brought conviction to my heart. How we doing? Did we do it today? Right? And uh, just how great is that? That that was the common conversation coming in tonight of uh, opportunity. We're going to do something. If the Lord will allow me to do after the service, right before invitation or during the invitation, if the Lord allows me to do it, we're going to have special prayer um, over those that want to see uh, somebody come to Christ with their efforts. Amen. So if the Lord will allow it, we might do that. And I, I think that would be good for us to take away from, from this meeting today. Acts chapter 16, I mentioned this morning that I would like to preach a message tonight and the Lord did allow it. Uh, thriving, not just surviving. Thriving, not just surviving. Acts chapter 16, of course, is the account of Paul and Silas having gone to prison. But to understand why they were in prison, uh, let's start reading um, in verse 6. Now, when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. After they were come to Messiah, they essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not, or the Spirit allowed them not. 
And they passing by Messiah came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. Uh, believe it or not, as much as this is a very popular missions passage, we will not be uh, directly speaking on the subject of missions tonight. So we're going to move on into verse 10. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Therefore, loosing from Troas, we came with a straight course to Simothracia, and the next day to Neapolis, and from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia, and a colony. And we were in the city abiding certain days, and on the Sabbath we went out of the city by a riverside, where prayer was wont to be made, and we sat down and spake unto the woman which resorted thither. And then it covers uh, here in these next few verses how uh, they were speaking with this lady and then uh, a, 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 another young lady that was a, a, a soothsayer would come forth and prophesy and say, these men are followers of God, hear ye them. And, and of course they would cast out the demon of that person. A very interesting thought, isn't it? That not everybody says, we're with you, is with you. And they had to cast out that demon. And because of that, her masters, uh, they were losing money from the gains that she brought. Uh, and so they went to the authorities in verse 19, and when her masters saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers and brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city. Oh, yeah, they were really troubling the city. And teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe, being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made fast the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prisons were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awakening out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in the house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized, he and all his straight way. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. And when, he was, when, when it was day, the magistrates sent the sergeants, saying, Let those men go. And the keeper of the prison told this saying to Paul and the magistrates, have sent to let you go. Now therefore depart and go in peace. But Paul said unto them, 
I love Paul. They have beaten us openly, uncondemned, being Romans, and have cast us into prison. And now do they thrust us out privately? Nay, verily, but let them come, uh, come themselves and fetch us out. And the sergeants told these words unto the magistrates, and they feared when they heard that they were Romans. And they came and besought them and brought them out and desired them to depart out of the city. And they went out of the prison and entered into the house of Lydia. And when they had seen the brethren, they comforted them and departed. Lord, I Thank you so much uh, for your word, how faithful it is, how good it is, how, how uh, uh, clear uh, it can be at times and how it speaks directly to our hearts. I thank you and would expect that you would now meet with us um, because you have said where two or three are gathered in your name, you're in the midst. You said, uh, Lord, that your word will not return void. And even though I am a sinful man and Lord, that I have and I have fallacies, it is your word that is standing here tonight, not me. So I would, uh, Lord, uh, hope and expect that you will meet with us tonight and we will continue in that uh, light, Lord. We love you so much and we thank you for everything you've done for us. Now open up our hearts and our minds to understand and receive and Lord do after that. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Every time I look down at my Bible, these two right here, I think they're people and they freak me out a little bit. I'm, gonna be, I'm not going to be thriving, not surviving. If you and I in America we're in this situation of Paul and Silas as they are in prison. Uh, I've been not in prison. I've been in prison, but not for that, you know, being in prison. I've preached in prison. That's about it. But if we were in prison, I guarantee you what our prayers would be. Get me out. I want to be gone. And if we were in prison and the doors were shaken loose and our bands were shaken loose and the foundation just came apart and just it was wide open I guarantee you that every one of us would hit our personal record for the 1000 I was talking with a nice young lady in the back here who confessed to me that she's had some hip issues no hip issues that day ma'am you're out of that prison you're gone, right? We'll deal with the hip later. Uh, we, every single one of us, we'd say, hey, the Lord has delivered me. Praise the Lord. Let's get out of here. You'd be looking to survive. Uh, now Paul and Silas are in this situation, and they come across this Philippian jailer. And after everything being opened, their first response is, ho, 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 nobody move. Stay right where you're at. It's all right. Now, I don't know if they told him. I have a lot of questions about this passage, Brother Shane. You might be able to help me after church. Who were the other people in the prison? Was it other Christians or was it just other people? If it was other Christians, that's interesting, isn't it? Other people went to that prison with Paul and Silas and perhaps Paul and Silas were singing in that prison. Maybe no one else was. Maybe that was encouraging to them to the point when they saw the power of God, they said, we're not moving. Perhaps. But the other way is just as fun to meditate on. If it was your run-of-the-mill thief and vile person in prison, and they heard the praises of God, and they saw the power of God, and they did not move. Just as wonderful. But whoever they were, they didn't move. And the, Paul says, we are all here. Nobody ran. 
And because of that, and of course you that have been in church some time, and perhaps you're new to church, so uh, we'll, we'll cover this quickly, and that is simply this jailer was put to a charge to these men to where there are two rules of thought. One, if um, uh, you were, your prisoner was to escape with this direct charge of you are going to watch these men, and if anything happens to them, this is going to happen. The two thoughts that I've heard uh, is that you're going to be put in their place, or the other one is that you're going to die. Either one's bad. And either one is making them come to this jailer to a place where he's about to fall on his sword and kill himself. He's about to commit suicide because he doesn't want to go through whatever the Romans are about to put him through. And Paul says, do thyself, the person who perhaps took part in beating, perhaps took part in being brutal to them and putting them in stocks and in prison. And I'm pretty sure he didn't usher them in. Sirs, here, this will be your accommodations tonight, right? I'm pretty sure he's a roughneck kind of guy who was not very loving to them and forced them not just into prison, but into the farthest part of the prison, the inner prison, the darkest, the coldest, the dampest, the wettest, at the worst place, the most secure, he put them there. And then here's Paul, really a model Christian, amen? And he says, do thyself no harm. After all Paul and Silas went through, and after all that was done to them, where God had them in that prison, they decided that they were not just going to look to survive, but they were going to look to thrive. They were going to look to do a great work for God. Oh, this is applicable to every single person in this room in that God has you where he has you on purpose. It's no accident whatever you're going through. I'll pick on the young lady in the back again. God knows the hip problem. Amen. He's got your doctors lined up that they may hear the gospel. He's got everything lined up to where you're a testimony, that you're a shining bright light in the waiting room, in the hospital, that you go through whatever it is God wants you to go through with joy and with love towards the world. That we might get back to this morning, and that is seeing them saved. If we're going to thrive and not just survive, I think we can identify three things that Paul did uh, that if we do, it's just going to give us a great opportunity. It's going to give us the best shot of living every day where we're not just mediocre Christians. We're not just uh, uh, traditional Christians of I'm putting my time in at church. Pastor, if you need anything, I'll be there. You know, that kind of Christian, uh, but rather proactive in our Christian walk and in our testimony and with what God wants to do in our life. Let's do these few things. Firstly, uh, keep your focus on God. In Acts chapter 16, verse 25, it says, and at midnight, the darkest time of the night, and at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And then there's this phrase, and the prisoners heard them. That's a beautiful phrase right there. It's put there on purpose. The prisoners heard them. 
You see, when whatever we're going through in life, good, bad, whatever, when we keep our focus on God, and meaning that we turn our prayers to God, we turn our complaints to God, and we turn even our praise to God, it's a simple, simple thought of praising in the prison. Amen? But we struggle with it. And we've never been to this hardship. Uh, I used to get aggravated. I kind of do still. Whenever I would complain to my preacher and I would say, this is happening and this is happening. I lost my job and this is happening and blah, blah, blah. And he says, well, you know, over in Job, do you know what Job went through? I'm like, preacher, I'm not Job. <laughs> Me and Job are not the same guy. So I understand the aggravation with looking at a scripture verse, a passage, and saying, hey, I'm not Paul and I'm not Silas. No, that's why God's given us a lot less. Because we can handle this. And so we pray and we praise in any season, in any situation. We turn our focus always to God. Why? Because surrounding us are other prisoners. And prisoners are listening. They hear us. Uh, two people were actually listening at this time. Yes, the people are listening, those other prisoners, but also God is listening. God is listening. It says in verse 26, And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison... What does that mean? The foundations of the prison. Any builders in here? What is everything built on? The foundation. What's the strongest point in any building? The foundation. God could have shaken just the walls. He could have shaken one door and opened one door and the stocks and called it quits. But God says, no, I'm going to shake the foundations. I'm going to go to the strongest point to show my power. God was listening. God heard them so that the foundations of the prisons were shaking and immediately all the doors were open. Everyone's, everyone's bands were loosed. Do we have a testimony like Paul and Silas to where we'd be able to say because of my prayers and my praise, my testimony, my life walk, other people's bands are loosed. Other people's prison that they were afflicted with, they have victory in their prison because of my impact on their life. That's hard, isn't it? Secondly, moving quickly, not just keep your focus on God, but keep your focus on the very voice of God. Understanding God has you right where he wants you to be. In Acts chapter 16 and verse 10, it says, And after he had seen the vision, he immediately endeavored to go to Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel unto them. They were going to go to Asia. But the Holy Ghost said, no, don't go to Asia. Have you ever been witnessing so much and wanting to preach so much that God says, no, I can't have you go there. I need you to go somewhere else. I've not been. I, mean, I, I can't say that God said, no, no, hold the reins back. I'm, he's kicking me saying, no, you need to do more. You need to go more. Oh, that we would have the testimony that where God would direct and say, no, I can't have you go. There. I really wanted to, but I, I, I couldn't have you go there. I need you to go over here. Now, you, you think about that. 
Why did God not want them to go to Asia? It's a simple answer. There's no prison for them prepared in Asia. God knew what they were going to go do, what they were going to say, what was going to happen. And he said, I have a prison that I have prepared for you down the road. This is not happenstance with God. God is not dealing with things as they come. He says, I have something that I'm preparing for you. And with your testimony, with, with your abilities, and the way I've grown you, you have the wherewithal with my help to come out victorious in that situation so that I would receive the most praise. Have you ever thought about what you're going through, whatever it is? I'm going to use pastor. What pastor went through these years ago, and the nation was praying. Poor guy couldn't eat pizza. Right? I would have... This is my time to go. This is, I've settled it. Goodbye, family. But God had something for him. And he said, without this, you cannot bring me the kind of praise that I'm worthy of. See, God is a jealous God. And God is the only one worthy to say, I am due praise. And you will pray, praise me. That's why he put in his word that every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess. We were talking in the back about a, 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 a friend of somebody and how they don't know if they're saved. And one day, they'll believe. Yeah, they might be too late. But one day, everyone will be a believer. And God says for Pastor Jacobs that you're the only one that can go through this that's going to give me the praise that I'm due. And it's going to be a special praise. It's going to be a special, can we just say, fragrance to the Lord's nostrils? It's going to be something more potent than just your humdrum life that you've been living at Anchor Baptist Church as pastor. That, that normal praise, he said, I don't want that. I'm going to touch even more people with your life. I want more praise. I want more glorification. And so I'm going to put you into this prison. It's easy for my wife and I to love one another when things are good. But sometimes she gets rotten. I know it's hard to believe. And she makes it difficult. And I do too. And that's when it's hard for that relationship to go on. So it's easy to praise the Lord when everything's great. But what, what happens when he lets us go through things? You, you've dealt with people perhaps in your life and their question is, why God, why me? Why would God do this? Why would God allow this to happen? What have I done? Our first instinct, if you're like me, uh, I stubbed my toe, and it's what did I do to deserve that? What, what did I forget to confess? Or what's going on in my life that God would make me stub my toe and hurt myself? And a lot of times it has nothing to do with our sins, our lives, our unconfessed sins, whatever it is. But rather, God's just trying to use us to be a brighter light so that people can see us in a prison and say, why in the world would they be praising the Lord? That's the reason God does it. That's the reason he allows it to happen. Have you considered my servant 
Job? That's the reason. Because he says, you are his servant. And he says, watch how much they love me. Watch them praise me. Because I'm worthy. That's our God. He's a fearful God. Amen. A wonderful God. If they weren't following the voice of God, they would not have been in that prison. And that jailer, we're not going to meet one day because he would not be saved today. But praise the Lord, one day we're going to meet the jailer. One day we're going to meet his family because Paul and Silas heard the voice of the Lord and God had them where they were supposed to be. God has you here at Anchor. You're here. You followed his voice to be here. God knows why you're here. God knows what you're supposed to do here. Uh, God knows the spouse that you have. God knows the spouse that you don't have. God knows the family that you have. He knows everything that you're going through. He knows what job you have. He knows everything about you. The question we have to ask ourselves is, have I followed the voice of the Lord in my life? Am I, am I where he wants me to be? Is there something that I need to get right? Following the voice of the Lord, that will keep our focus right. And then thirdly, keep your focus on, well, others. In verse 28, it says, But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm. For we are all here. When it came down to it, through pain, I've, I've received my fair share of spankings in my lifetime. But I've never had blood drawn. My wife, on the other hand, has drawn blood across my face. We were wrestling one time. But besides that, I've never been beaten to the point where I had blood drawn. But it says here that they washed their stripes. Blood was drawn from these men. And when blood is drawn on me, I go to the medicine cabinet and I bathe it, I wash it, I clean it. These men didn't have that luxury. They were thrown into a cesspool of other people's blood, of other people's waste, of moisture, of liquids that we know not the source. This is what they're laying in. Again, those doors get loose. We're making a beeline to the closest running water source, right? That's nasty. And here Paul is saying, do thyself no harm, for we're all here. His focus was on others. On your worst day, is your focus on others? Or do we have our head down and we're just trying to make it through the day? I'm a capitalist, so I hate the self-checkout line. I want people to have jobs. And I think it's a personal attack on that. So, my wife hates it because she is a, what's it called? I'm outgoing, you're introvert. She's an introvert. So if you're an introvert, you love self-checkout lines. 
That's your place. So she gets mad at me because I'll go and stand in line with four people in front of me because they only open one at Walmart, right? I will stand there and wait with nobody in the other lines. And as you get up to that cash register, there's somebody there that's been working really slow with those people and you just want to get your stuff and go. You've been there. That's why you go through the self-checkout line. You're like, man, I can be out of here even faster. I don't have to talk with anybody. I don't have to deal with anybody. But I've caught myself many times being convicted by the Holy Spirit as we're going through there and that person is struggling at their job and they hate their job. Every one of them does, right? They hate their job. They hate where they're at. They hate that they have to work at Walmart. Bless your heart if you work there. Thank you for your service. But you know what I mean, because you're in the break room when they're complaining. And we as a Christian come up and there's an interaction. What happens at that interaction is completely up to you because they're going through a script. But you, in your little four-person prison (laughs) of these people I have to wait for to suffer through, and you're in a bad mood and you just want to get home, That's the time to slow down. That's the time to say, how are you doing? You having a wonderful day? I had the opportunity to be convicted of that one time. My wife and I were in line, and there was a a young black lady that was waiting on us. And I said, how are you doing today? And she says, I could be better. I said, oh no, what happened? And she started to cry. She said, I lost my baby. We're two sentences in. And she's crying. Say, I'm so sorry to hear that. What happened? I just stand there. I didn't tell her how to be saved. I didn't tell her that if she was following the Lord, it would have been so much easier for her. I just stood there and listened. And she got done and I said, can we pray with you? She allowed us to pray. She allowed me to give her a track. There was other people in the line. It meant everything to her. I could have been self-centered. My wife could have been dragging me like she was. No, she was very kind, actually. She was, she was very patient. We could have been going through our lives with our head down, like, I just got to get through this line. I just got to do this. I just got to get out of the store. Well, she needs somebody to care. You meet people like that every day. I meet people like that every day, and most of the time I fail too. There are people that need to be loved. There are other prisoners around us that are going through something, and God's given us the, the wisdom, the word of God, the ability to be a help and a blessing to them that they might see and know that God loves them through our lives. And we would finally have the opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. A good preacher once said, you have to have their ear before you have their heart. Gotta have their ear. I used to do it. I had the script. We're from Tabernacle Baptist Church and we're just stopping by to ask you if you're to die today, are you 100% sure you go to heaven when you die? 
People are like, what? I'm feeling healthy. I'm fine. That's weird. You, you realize that's weird, right? If somebody came out, I'm a Christian. If somebody came out to me, I'd say, you're weird. So there is that technique that we add to it. There is the getting to somebody's ear and being folksy and those kinds of things. And not just pretending like we're caring, but really sincerely care about somebody else's trials. Keep your focus on others. As Paul and Silas are going through here, they focused on the jailer. But not just the jailer, but also the jailer's family. You see that? Now, I'm just going to leave you with this thought for you to chew on, and then we're going to close, and that is this. When God's in the prison with you, there's no place more comfortable to be. It says in chapter 16 that, and I always lose these verses here because I never write them down, but it says here that they took him to the house, right? But then it says of Paul, no, no, if they want us out, they can come fetch us out of prison themselves. So it seems to indicate that Paul left with Silas out of prison and then went and put himself back in. I would go through Hurricane Maria anytime because God was with us. There's been times in your life where you've felt the presence of God, when you knew he was with you. And those are the easiest days. Those are the easiest times when he's in the prison with you. We have to keep our focus on the Lord that we might not just survive in the prison, not just skate by, but we would actually thrive in the prison. Now let me ask you a question and we're closed. I'm a different kind of person, okay? I like to shake it up. How many of you would say here tonight, everybody's looking around. A lot of times we do an invitation to say, no one's looking around. Everyone's looking around. Okay? How many of you say, I greatly desire this year to lead somebody to Jesus Christ? How many of you would say that? Sincerely. And I want, to, I want to go back to picking on people who have not had the opportunity. Would anybody say, I've not had the opportunity to lead somebody to Christ in my Christian life? Anybody like that? Thank you. Appreciate that. You too. Ma'am, thank you so much. You're going to have to forgive me because I'm going to use you. Would you please come down here? Ma'am, would you please come down here with him? Ma'am. What is your name? Yes. And besides Shirley is Donna. Would you please come down here as well? So they're going to represent our church. These three people and there's others. As well, Miss Donna has a man that she's wanting to lead to Christ. She's not sure if he's saved. These fine folks want to lead somebody to Christ. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray over them tonight. That God will give them the strength and the power to do that. If you folks would just sit right there, sir and lady, ma'am, if you would join the ladies over here, we believe in separating the sexes. Amen. (laughs) And just sit down right there, ladies. All of you sit down. I'm not going to make you kneel. I'm just going to have you sit right there. Now, if you know the joy of leading somebody to Jesus Christ, 
Ladies, if you've led somebody to Christ and you want these ladies to be successful in their life, let's get a couple of you to come down here. I know there's some of you want Trista and Andrea to come down here. Come down here and stand with these ladies. We're going to pray over them. Go ahead and get us some invitation music. Thank you. And Jeremy, come down here. Pastor Rice, come over here. And we're going to pray over these people. Now, let's not stop at these people. We want to see them be victorious in their life. But what about you? The altar's open. Everyone's looking around. If there's something that you want to pray for, if you want God to touch your life, if you want to see somebody saved, if there's somebody that's been on your heart and you haven't prayed for it for a long time, the altar's open. Come down to this altar and let's pray that we have victory, that we can see some people saved in our community through these people specifically. Let's thrive, not just survive. We're going to pray. You pray in your hearts where you're at. Anybody else that wants to join, come forward and pray over these people as well, but also pray for yourself. Thank you, ladies, for coming down. Let's go ahead and pray down here. And uh, you guys just start. Uh, no order. Just pray all together. Amen.